Welcome on in to another episode of Nate at the Foul Pole. We're back with another episode here a little bit later than we would have liked to get one out. But, you know, uh, it's been a, been a busy summer for Matt and I. I've been on vacation a lot for the both of us and uh, trying to figure out a good time to, to do a new episode. So here's another episode. Um, hopefully we'll be more regular when it comes into the fall and uh, and we're not so much doing things all summer. But Matt, how's it going, man? Uh, it's going. I feel like I, I'm catching a cold right now, but other than that, I am doing just dandy. That's not optimal, but hopefully you uh, you feel better <laughs> soon. And you're taking a trip this weekend, I think, right? Yeah, it's planned. Going up to uh, visit some uh, family up in Scranton, PA. So should be nice, fun. nice. That should be fun. Yeah, um, we have a lot to talk about because we've we've done a lot like a, a I would say prospect shows in the past couple shows and talked about the minor leagues but we haven't really covered too much of the major leagues as of late um i want to start this off matt by talking about probably the most important thing and the biggest news that has broken since we've done our last podcast and that's obviously about chris davis chris davis has retired um i i want to get into the contract specifics but initial reaction what was your first reaction when you heard chris davis retired uh, initial reaction was, was shock, to be honest yeah. with you. I thought, I thought, you know, he might write out the contract through next year. And, you know, that's kind of the expectation was like, I didn't know how his injury quote unquote was going to affect things, but apparently it was a degenerative hip issue. So it's not something that really ever would have gotten better. Um, but yeah, when it came news broke, I was totally shocked. I think he was, I thought he was going to write out the contract and just call it quits after next year. I, I see the thing is for me. Uh, my initial reaction was surprise, like you. Like I, I was, I was like, "Wow, this is big. This is big." I, I've been saying for years now, and I've said it on this podcast multiple times that I think the Orioles' rebuild can only move forward in great strides at the major league level once Chris Davis is gone. I thought that was, I think it's symbolic that you get rid of one of the players that led your, you know, 2012 to 2016 charge. And, and he really led the the playoff teams there as one of the best and most feared power hitters in baseball. I think it's symbolic to everyone, not only in the organization, but, uh, you know, from a fan level that this organization has moved on. They're ready to turn the page. This is a new dawn at the major league level. Um, and it's, it's not so much that I was shocked because Chris Davis, you know, really had anything left to bring to the table it's not chris davis was done we knew chris davis probably would never have another at bat as an oriole as soon as he went down in spring training this year but it just comes to the shock that like you said he walked away from you know the sport that he had been playing for years and setting historical numbers that were so bad um historically bad numbers i should say it's so shocking that he walked away from this contract at this stage. You thought it would have happened two, three years ago if he was going to walk away and not write out the contract. So I think that's more from where my shot came from instead of, wow, this is this is surprising as in, you know, he, I'm not trying to put this in the right way, but it, it's just more of a shock that Davis didn't ride this out. I think that's what I'm trying to say, Matt. Yeah, I totally agree. Um you know, I think this is, it's been a dark cloud hanging over the ball club for the last right, three or exactly. four years. Yeah. Good way to put and like, I mean, the, the Twitter reactions and like the social media reactions were kind of a mixed bag. Like I was actually surprised, pleasantly surprised to see a lot of people being positive, you know, um, about him and looking back finally on the good years, the, right. the four, four year, good years that he gave him, four to five good years. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
it's it's really tough. It's something that they've had to move past for a long time now, and it's it's finally glad that you know it's happening. So I, I said this on I was on Glenn Clark Radio this morning, um, and I said this as my feeling on Davis. I think you have to look at it in two ways. I think it's important to, to keep in mind two things. I think the first thing is that Chris Davis provided you an anchor, uh, a very reliable first baseman who wasn't injured much at all in his early career. Um, one of the most feared power hitters, as I said before, in all of the major leagues, um, a team leader, a guy that you could count on and a really, really good baseball player from, you know, 2011 to 2016. We have to remember Davis for what he did on the field and off the field during those years. It was very important to the ball club and to the city. Very important. But I also think you can't ignore 2017 to 2020. You just can't look. You, you can't look back in Chris Davis's career and only look at the years he was productive. It's just that's not the way this works, right? Like, yeah, Davis does deserve credit for those years. He does deserve credit for what he did. But when you look back on his career, you have to understand all of those years from 2017 to 2020 when Davis would come into spring training every year and say that he didn't change his swing and he didn't really try to do much to get back to what he was in 2013, except add what, like 25 pounds of muscle, which was like his, his usual comments every year. To me, Davis did not do anything to try to get better. He just simply went through the motions and, and just came to the ballpark and yep. he kind of just figured I'm getting paid. You know, what, what else is there to do? You know, I, I don't really need to play the game well if I'm getting paid. And I think that was the attitude Chris Davis had. So you have to look at it as yes, he had some great years, but he also didn't try to make those bad years any better. I think it's really, it, you know, it, it's, it's a dark cloud over his career, as you mentioned before. Yeah. I think it's kind of similar to the Ryan Howard situation in Philly. Yeah. Um, Phillies fans are a lot more brutal than Baltimore fans are. <laughs> That's but nice. It's like, you know, he gave you all this greatness. You know, Ryan Howard took him to a World Series. He had, a, I think he had a year where he hit 59 home runs. And then the back half of his career was just total, like, nothing. Right. Um, so I, there is some precedent for it. But yeah, like you said, you can't ignore it. I mean, he was more than a black hole. He had a negative war for the last few years. He just mentally wasn't there. Like, he tried to fight. Uh, Brandon Hyde at one point. Uh, we can't we can't ignore that. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean it is what it is. You know, right off into the sunset. Good for you, Chris Davis. Um, and I don't blame him for the contract. I, I blame Peter Angelos for that. Oh, I do too. I, I don't blame Chris for for wanting to play um, and wanting to to keep getting that money. And by the way, I should talk about the contract you just mentioned because the Orioles are going to defer the last year of the contract um, yes. and essentially pay it out in basically thirds over the next three years. So the uh, the cap hit for the or not I shouldn't say cap hit, but the the luxury tax hit for the Orioles um, will be a third of about the twenty ish million that Chris Davis was due to make next year. They'll pay it out and. And then they're still going to pay him until 2037 because there's all this deferred money that ranges anywhere from about one to three million, depending on what year mm -hmm. uh, yeah. you're looking at. But, you know, I, I saw a lot of people on Twitter, too, that were, you know, so sentimental, like, oh, I knew this day was going to come, but now the day's come and I'm really sad about it. I saw that same message from like 100 people. And I'm thinking that's not at all what I'm thinking. I, I for me, I'm almost indifferent to this situation as much as as anything I, i'm almost indifferent to it because the guy hadn't played a game since september 11th 2020 yeah i think we yeah. all knew this day was coming sooner or later right i mean I, I to be emotional about it i get it in a way because he was such an emotional anchor of this team but then again i just personally don't get emotional about it 
Well, I guess for me, like I'm, I'm 27 years old. The, the 2012 team was the first winning team I'd ever seen in 15 years, basically right. of watching the team. And, uh, Chris Davis was a huge part of that. Um, I'll never forget, you know, the walk-off win where he picked up Nate McLeod over his, his shoulder and ran him around the infield. Like he, he definitely had, I have a lot of sentimentality for those, those, uh, teams from 2012 to 2016 for sure. Right. Um, so I, I get it in that sense for sure. No, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I get where people want to be sentimental about it. It's just me personally. I don't have any strong feelings about this necessarily. I'm not, you know, I, if, if Cal Ripken retires or, you know, mm -hmm. someone who really had uh, cemented their place in Orioles history, then I'm, and Chris Davis has in a way cemented his place in Orioles history, but it's not like he's a hall of famer or a guy that, I'm going to look back on five years from now and go, man, I really miss him on my team or something like that. It's just not that right. way. I'm not that upset about this at all. I'm not, I'm indifferent to it almost. I don't um, look at him the same way as I do like a Nick Markakis or like a, exactly. Perfect you know, a guy like that. Right. But, and Nick Markakis didn't even play his whole career for the Orioles. Um, right. And not Davis did either, but he played right. most of his career for the Orioles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and I, I think on Davis, um, you know, the, the next question is now with Davis off the books, does this make the Orioles a more serious contender in free agency with having this deferred money over the next three years? Um, our good friend Chris Resitar told me that uh, the, the, the 20 million that he was due next year still counts all of 20 million against the luxury tax, which I wasn't aware of this and I, I haven't read this anywhere else. Um, but Chris knows the stuff, he's probably correct. But whichever way it works out, with Chris Davis being off the books after 2022, we knew that was going to have a significant, uh, you know, impact anyway. But now with Chris Davis potentially being cheaper in 2021 or 2022, excuse me, um, it, it could let the Orioles make some some more major, uh, you know, offseason moves if if Mike Elias feels that's a that's a good idea. I think that's overblown to an extent. I think the okay. the development's going to tell you when you're pulling the trigger on a lot of these guys in the offseason. Um, I think, you know, yes, win, wins and losses don't matter to an extent, but I think you can look at the Chicago White Sox model. You can look at the Padres model. And I don't think one player necessarily dictates what you do in free agency. Yeah, you're not wrong. It's just the fact that the Orioles had the money laid out to Davis uh, where, you know, the rest of the payroll is, but I mean, it was only one more year, really. Right. One more year. Exactly. Um, I'm not saying this is going to make the major players. It just make them maybe make them think a little bit more about what they're going to do with free agency and not just blow yeah. off the whole process, uh, yeah, because they've sure. they kind of just blown off the whole process over the past few years. So maybe, and, and that's obviously a, a progress point of the Orioles rebuild that they are going to be more serious players this year in free agency. Um, you know, maybe signing a few mid tier starters instead of signing low tier starters. Um, I'm just going to break it to you now. If you think they're signing Carlos Correa, they're not. I'm just going to tell you they're not. Don't get your hopes up. They're not signing anyone in, you know, into $300 million deals. It's just not happening. So, mm -hmm. but, you know, they, they could get a guy like Michael Pineda. Um, I'm really, yeah. really hoping for Michael Pineda or, you know, another mid range starter in that kind of tier. Um, apparently, Michael Pineda is asking for three for 30 million. So I, I would personally do that deal in a second. Um, Double, very doable. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's an old pitcher, but pitchers these days are lasting longer than ever. Um, you look at Rich mm -hmm. Hill, Clayton Kershaw, yeah. or any of these old pitchers. You know, if, you, if you're a finesse guy, um, you're lasting long in the, in the major leagues, and even the power guys are starting to last long. And, and Pineda is not so much of a power guy as he was anymore, but, um, you know, it's, it, it's going to make the Orioles rethink it is my entire point here. 
Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, it definitely is, even if it's just metaphorical, it's like, uh, you know, getting that off your back, getting yeah. that, yeah. um, that, that contract is, it's still going to loom for the next, what, 15, 16 years, but it's deferred right. money. And back in the 2030s, that money's not going to really mean anything at all. I was going to say, I mean, um, even though, you know, he, he's getting paid till 2037, I don't think it has any kind of financial, uh, repercussions for the Orioles. I just I don't. Mean, if you adjust for inflation, that's going to be like what, like five hundred thousand now, like seven hundred fifty thousand yeah. now. So yeah. it's it's really nothing. To, Give to or take, yeah. Take it's that, yeah, that's a good point too. Inflation obviously changes a lot, and and what he's going to be worth. But I, I don't think Peter Angel or not Peter Angelos, but John Angelos, um, is going to be really concerned at all about something that's you know one three to three million dollars a year i just don't think yeah. it matters that much um now the next question we have is is chris davis an orioles hall of famer um and to me yes he's an orioles hall of famer um mm -hmm. i'll let you get your answer and then we'll, we'll kind of debate back and forth here on what you uh what, what your reasons are for this i should say yeah, I've, I've said this before. I don't know if I've ever said this on this podcast, but I am totally open for um, like a lot of people getting to the Orioles Hall of Fame just because oh, yeah. I don't, right, I don't right. take it seriously like at all, like not even okay. a little bit. Like I would, I would put anybody who had like a great Orioles moment in the Hall of Fame. Um, Chris Davis for sure qualifies if you if yeah. you have a single season record for home runs. I think you deserve to be in the Orioles Hall of Fame. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Yeah. I think um, that the single season record for home runs, I think alone makes him a, for sure. a, yeah. a, you know, lock. And I, I think people are going to debate this. And, and, uh, and I think this is one of the scenarios where you have to ignore the bad years. Um, mm -hmm. Not when you look at his overall career, it's when you're looking at, is he an Orioles Hall of Famer? Yes, I do think you have for to sure. ignore the bad years. Because mm -hmm. Chris Davis did enough in those small amount of years where he was a very impactful player that I don't, I don't see many Orioles Hall of Famers that, you know, really outdid that stretch that he had. I mean, obviously you have the Kyle Ripkins, the Brooks Robinsons, but there are a lot of Orioles Hall of Famers yeah. that aren't really, you know, I, I don't know if, I, I don't want to say they're not Hall of Fame worthy for the Orioles, but they're not like, that. And Mike Devereaux just went in. Like, I Mike think Chris Devereaux, Davis exactly. is a much, much better player than Mike Devereaux was. Mike Devereaux really had one great year in his career, and that was basically yeah. it. And Chris Davis had multiple, many. Um, right. So, Chris Davis is qualified, and mm -hmm. I, I guess we'll be seeing probably in like 2025. It's going to be a couple of years until sure. until they induct him. Well, we were just talking about it today on Glenn Clark Radio, and Glenn mentioned that it would be so awkward if they were to do it next year or something and, and bring him out while mm. everything is still – it's just not going to happen. So well, it's going to be until 2025. Like J.J. Hardy just went in. He hasn't been on the team for a good four years. So yeah. I think, yeah, 2025, that lines up. So is there anything else you have to add to the, the Chris Davis discussion? I think we, we pretty much covered it all, but it is such just a, a wild story and something we've been waiting for. I don't want to say I've been waiting for a guy to lose his job. That's not, That sounds kind of cold-hearted, but he's getting paid. So it's not like he really is losing his job. He's just mm -hmm. retiring from the playing of baseball instead of getting paid. He's getting paid. You know, usually yeah. you, get, you retire at a job. You don't get paid anymore. That's how it works in baseball. Sorry, you, you sign a contract. You're getting paid. You know what what he's worth, and the Orioles are, are probably happy to be able to pay Davis, and hopefully he donates more of that to charity, like he like he's done in the past. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a a term if you're like in the tech world, and you get signed to a contract, and they call it uh, if you get like let go, essentially, they call it like rest invest. So that's basically oh, okay. what Chris Davis has been doing. He's not been productive at all. He hasn't right. been on the field. He hasn't been in the dugout. He's been resting and besting. So. Yeah. 
Well, I, th- I think that kind of concludes our Chris Davis discussion. Um, tweet us with any of your ideas on Chris Davis. I'm, I'm curious to hear more opinions about Davis um, because, again, this is just such a, an impactful and I think turning point for, uh, moment for the Orioles. Um, now, I, we did want to talk about more of the major league team today because I, I would say there are some interesting stories right now going on in the major leagues. I think this team for me is more interesting right now than it has been all year. I really like some of the guys on this roster. I love Jorge Mateo. I, I loved him as a prospect coming up. I always wanted Jorge Mateo. I always thought he was a good player. Um, mm-hmm. When he got to the fade, I tweeted out that I, I thought we should we should uh, grab him. The Orioles did. And so far, he's hitting 261 for them, putting up a pretty solid OPS. Uh, no home runs yet, but he's stealing bases, getting on base. Yeah. So far, looking like a guy that you know could be, could be definitely an impactful player for the Orioles. Yeah, I mean, you, you see him getting DFA'd by the Padres, who, you know, arguably have one of the best rosters in all of baseball. Right. You got, you have to take advantage of that when that happens. And the Orioles are, you know, bottom of the, of the league right now um, in terms of record. So they got to take advantage of some of these guys that are made available. Right. Jorge Mateo, um, extremely exciting player. Um, he got that, that one triple uh, about a week ago. That was, that was great. Um, he, he provides a lot of energy to the ball club and something they don't necessarily always have. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he, like you said, no home runs. He's not going to be always, he's not going to be a big OPS guy. He's really not, he's not going to hit like 800s or 900 OPS. At least that's what I don't expect from him, but no, he's going mean, to give you, he's going to give you a lot of um, energy at the plate. He's going to give you energy on the bases. And when you do have a playoff team, if he's somehow still on the roster, he's going to be dangerous in the playoffs. Right. And look at it this way. Um, the Orioles basically just added a free top 100 prospect. That's the way I look at it. They added a free yeah. top 100 prospect that they, you know, this is this is someone that if he was in the Orioles system, people would have been clamoring for. I guarantee mm-hmm. you. Look at his minor league numbers in 2019. Hit, hit 19 home runs, stole 24 bases. The guy's a beast. He stole 82 bases in 2015. I mean, he is yeah. a very, very, very good player. One Jorge of the Mateo, in the majors, if not the fastest. You know, he actually now is. Uh, he does yeah. have the fastest feet per second time uh, in the entire major leagues. The guy can hit for power. Um, he can steal as literally any base he wants. He could probably steal home if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. The guy is simply fun, and it, honestly, on a team like this, there's no one I'd rather see more. There's no one I'd rather see more. He's getting a chance to play every day here. And mm-hmm. look, he played 85 major league games coming into to being an Oriole. To me, I there's ample opportunity for him here to not just be a pinch runner or not just be a pinch hitter, to be a guy who can start every day and show what he can do and become that guy he was in the minors. And and for me, Jorge Mateo is maybe my favorite player of this roster right now, um, outside of guys like Cedric Mullins or John Means or, or Austin Hayes, some of my favorites. But right now he's that, you know, he, he's proving to me that he could be a piece long term. And I, this may change, but look, right now he's he's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's very early to tell. He's only played in six games for the Orioles, but what we've seen so far in his plate appearances has been really impressive. Yeah. Um, you know, could be a middle infield piece for the future. We know they need middle infielders. Um, you know, he, he also has a little bit of versatility defensively, but I like what I see so far. Yeah, I, I, I like it a lot. Um, and we'll just see what happens. I mean, we could we could see it at the end of the season. He's batting 185 and, you know, he'll probably be back in 2022 to, to for sure. you know, yeah. try to change things. I think that this guy is is someone they're going to give ample opportunity. He's going to be here for a long time. Um, you know, another name on the on the Orioles roster right now that I think is pretty exciting is uh, Spencer Watkins. And he's, he's pitching as we speak. I'm, I'm watching it on the second screen over here. He's pitching well so far. 
Spencer Watkins has been a nice surprise. You know, four two two ERA coming into this game tonight. Uh, yeah. As we're recording this on Friday, to me, I don't know if this is real. I don't know. I don't know the conversation to have about Spencer Watkins right now. I don't know. I, I can't go out here and say this is. You know, he's a pitcher who can pitch to a four ERA. I can't say that right now. Mm-hmm. But what he's been and what he's given the Orioles so far, I'm very happy with it. And I'm excited to see what else he can do. Yeah, I think totally relative to the other some of the other starters, um, he's been impressive. Um, he's a guy that's not going to throw 99. He's not going to um, blow the doors off anyone. So if he can rely on his on his some secondary stuff and, and locate, really locate his pitches – then he's going to be he's going to be an option for you. He, may, he might be an easy uh, stick him in there, number four, or number five in your rotation, and and have confidence that he's going to at least give you a chance to win. Right, I, I think that's what the Orioles need. They need a guy who can give them five or six innings and give up less than like four earned runs. And to me, yeah. I've said it on the podcast many times. I'm just repeating myself here, but that is what you want out of an Orioles pitcher at this point. You don't need them to throw seven shutout innings. That's not that's not realistic, really. That's not especially in today's game. That's not realistic. Just give us a a solid start that gives the offense a chance to win. Because when this offense gets going, they can beat any team. I, I, the offense is a very potent offense, especially when Ryan Mountcastle's in the lineup. Of course, right now mm-hmm. he's on the seven-day concussion injured list. Yeah. Um, as Spencer Watkins just – oh, Cedric Mullins made a great catch as we're watching this. But uh, – they need a guy who can just give them consistent innings and be there. Um, he can just be there and, and make sure he's getting through five. That's what Spencer Watkins has been so far. He's been a warm body, a guy who can throw. And I think that's important right now for the Orioles. Um, and, and I love the curveball. I think the curveball is excellent. I really think his curveball is top notch. And I'm excited to see what else he can do. Um, and so far, like I said, he's pitching pretty well tonight, although Cedric Mullins just bailed him out on a pretty nice catch in center field. That would have gone out in probably Camden Yards, but in Boston, <laughs> it's uh, pretty <laughs> deep. Pretty deep center field out there. But I think Spencer Watkins is a lot of fun. Uh, Matt, is there another player you, you're particularly interested in on this major league roster right now? Yeah, um, I know we, we had talked about it pre-show, but R- Richie Martin, it's just good to see him back on yeah, the big league t- team. Even if, it, you know, he's not hitting great so far. But, um, you know, he gives you hopefully some of the defensive metrics improve because I know that was a problem uh, a couple years ago when he his defense, like, pass the eye test but in terms of actually looking at the metrics it wasn't necessarily there so hopefully you can improve that so i'm a big metrics guy i love metrics i think it's all very interesting and very uh impactful and i think you need to, to rely on metrics to win in today's game i think that's where the game is going however i personally do not agree with the metrics on richie martin's defense i don't mm. I think richie martin is an excellent defender i i have seen yeah. very very little opportunities for richie martin to make more plays than he could have I think Richie Martin's an incredibly reliable defender uh, who makes all the plays we need him to. I don't know where the, the analytics are, are coming in with that. Um, you know, I, I think they had him in like the 16th percentile or something crazy yeah. in 2019 for mm-hmm. outside average and all these crazy stats, which is like Michael Franco level bad. Um, <laughs> it's not accurate. Like you can't compare a guy like Michael Franco right. and Richie Martin. Richie Martin right. makes plays. He's athletic. He has an incredible arm. Mm-hmm. Um, me, I love having a defensive sound, defensively sound shortstop. Um, it, it's yeah. like a Mike Bordick, where Mike Bordick was so ridiculously reliable. JJ Hardy, yeah, JJ Hardy, sure. Um, mm-hmm. and, and JJ hit a lot more than than Bordick or Richie ever will. But right. um, I, the, the reason I use the Bordick comparison is just a super reliable defender that's not going to hit a lot, and you don't even care about the bat. You really don't yep. care. You get some timely mm-hmm. hit. He does some things once in a while. You just care about the defense, and Richie provides that. Playing shortstop tonight while Ramon Arias 
Urias is dealing with some uh, some discomfort, I believe, in his hamstring, which is quite concerning because Ramon Urias has been one of the best players in the Orioles this year. Uh, but Richie Martin, like you said, it's fun to see him back. Uh, I'm, I'm glad he's back in the majors. Really good guy as well. Oh, yeah, we met him uh, two years ago, I want to say. Uh, did. Maybe a year and a half now. Who, who could say now at this point? Um, yeah, really nice guy, really down to earth. You know, that's important too. Like a lot of these young players come in, got a big head. They they probably play a little bit above their their britches. And and Richie Martin out there, down to earth. He knows what he's good at. He's just right. Of exactly. I was going to say the same thing. He knows who he is. Richie Martin yeah. is exactly the kind of shortstop that. I think every team needs a really, really reliable defender. And I, I hope the bat comes along. I'm not saying I don't want his bat to be good. I mean, I hope it is. I, I want course. Richie Martin to be able to hit 260. Uh, mm -hmm. Even a 700 OPS I take from Richie Martin. Um, yeah. Might be able to get 10 to 20 steals out of him in a good year. But to me, That's Richie true. Martin is is a lot of fun, but that the bat just isn't there right now. But I, I don't even mind it. Um, now, another guy in the Major League roster I wanted to touch on tonight, Matt. Uh, Anthony Santander. All of a sudden. Uh, has completely turned his season around. He's batting 250 all of a sudden. Um, yep. And he was batting low, you know, low 230s just a few days ago. Mm -hmm. Completely on fire. Um, finally hitting home runs again. Are we seeing the real Santander or is this kind of a mirage of, of just a hot streak? I don't know, but he might be the best August player of all time because it's insane. It's last insane. August, he looked like an MVP. This August, he, he looked phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I, I want to say yes, but I'm a little gun shy with him just because I've yeah. seen inconsistencies before. It's not just this season. Uh, back in 2019, he was he was really hot, and then he had a god awful September. It's just I've seen this time and time again. I want to say yes. I want to say yes. He's fully healthy. I just can't get there. I'm with you. I, I'm exactly with you. I, I think a lot of people are going, "Oh, he's back. He's back. He's back." I don't know. I, I want to see him have a great September, and then yep. I might tell you he's back. Um, you I was, mm -hmm. We know he's been dealing with injuries all year. That's no secret. For sure. Uh, but to me, Santander needs to do more uh, over a long period of time to give me confidence that this is the player we expect um, and this is the player he is. I don't know if he'll do that. I, I can't guarantee anything, but I hope he does. I'm certainly hopeful that he gets back to being what he was. It's just funny that we can go in like a two-week span from saying, "Oh, he might be a non-tender candidate," to, yeah, "Oh, well, seriously. this he's back. He, you know, he's going to be right. a mainstay in the lineup." It's just funny how that right. can flip so quickly. Right. Exactly. Um, I, I'm trying to 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 find other major league players to talk about here, but the tr truth is that there's not a lot of interesting players in this roster right now. But I do think, yeah. like, or this may be the most interesting of an uninteresting roster that we've seen all year. Just because of Jorge Mateo, really. I, I really think he's a very good player. I'm excited about him. Um, now, moving on. Oh, Matt, did you have something else to say on that? Just quick thing. I, I really wish that Elias would have traded Scott and Fry when he had the chance. Um, we've seen some blowups recently with Fry. Not necessarily all on him because usually he'll be followed by Dylan Tate, who gives up grand slams. But... Um, it's. I don't know how much their value is going to improve in the next month and a half to get them back to where they were prior to the trade deadline. I'm just putting it out there. I kind of wish that would happen, but so I'm yeah. happy with you. I would have loved mm -hmm. to trade Fry. I, I don't. I, I think Fry. I said this before in another podcast, but I think Fry makes your team better. It's it's great to have him out there. Right. Um. It's fun that that he gives you a better chance to win when he's on the mound. Yeah. However, he's 28 years old. Um, mm -hmm. and the chances are that he's a impact reliever on the next competitive Orioles. I would say the chances are under 30%. Um, Tanner Scott, on the other hand, though, I think I, I love Tanner Scott. He's one of my favorite Orioles. I think there's so much 
that can still get better with Tanner Scott. He's still young. I, I want to keep Tanner Scott around, and I think the, the value can even actually rise a, above where it is. But I do agree with you on Paul Fry. I think the value reached his peak about midseason this year, and yeah. the Orioles didn't take advantage of that, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we can move on to our uh, final segment. I know you wanted to discuss fan graphs. Uh, yeah, so I do want to talk actually two things about the farm system. Number one, Adley right. Rushman promoted the AAA. That's a big mm-hmm. one. Um, yep. Not even much to say here. Adley Rushman's great. We know it. 70 yep. future value guy. He's incredible. Um, that's all has to be said. Adley Rushman, future face of the rebuild. This is who he is, and that's that's all we have to say. Uh, but moving on, I, I did want to talk about fan graphs. And they now have the Baltimore Orioles as the number one uh, ba- uh, number one farm system in baseball. Um, this is coming after 2019, where they ranked number 26 prior to this 2019 season. They're it's now crazy. at number one here in 2021. Obviously, Adley Rutschman's a big part of this. I mean, obviously, when no one's no one's pretending that Adley Rushman is prospect in baseball. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, he's the guy. He's a number one prospect in baseball. Um, newly achieved crown, by the way. Um, and the and. The Orioles have the number one system in baseball. That's not uncommon. I, I believe when Tatis was the number one prospect in baseball, the Padres had the number one system in baseball. Yep, uh, yep. Same thing with the Blue Jays and Vladdy. It just mm-hmm. happens. That's that's mm-hmm. what generally you know happens. The Rays were probably the same way with Juan de Franco. Adley makes the system, but there are also so many good pieces now in the system that you know Colton Cowser, by the way, tearing up the Florida Coast League. Oh, yeah. um, I believe he's still batting over 500 there, and and sounds mm-hmm. like he promoted Delmarva very soon. His swing looks amazing. He looks so much fun. Um, and I've said it before in the show, but I think he's going to be in the majors very soon. I, I seriously believe that. I think end of 2022, Colton Cowser is going to be here because he's yeah. that advanced yeah. in that game. Um, and you know, and there are guys like this that outside of Rutschman, Kyle Stowers is having an incredible year. Probably you know breaks the top 100 list soon. Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westberg, you go on and on. Robert Newstrom. The, mm-hmm. the 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 farm system just has so much depth, and it's not only about about Adley, but Adley is is the real background reason of why this is so highly ranked. Yeah, and you arguably arguably have the number one pitching prospect in baseball, and Grayson Rodriguez. Um, and this is kind of a two parter because uh, Dan Duquette drafted a, a good amount of these guys. He did. Um, and and really, what we're seeing is the development of Michael Elias and company. Right. And it's very important to see a site like Fangraphs who probably takes a different type of look at these guys than a, than a MLB pipeline or a baseball America or something, but um, probably a little bit more of an analytical approach. Exactly. So that kind of pairs well with the line of thinking that the Orioles already have. So it kind of makes sense that they would rate them so highly, but it also, it's very important because we see how devastatingly good this division is. Like the four other teams are all in playoff contention. It's going to be hard to really hard to compete. You got to have a top five farm system period to compete in this division if you're the Orioles. Yeah, I, I I couldn't have said it better myself. I think that's all exactly true. Um and just seeing what the the Red Sox and the Rays and you know the Yankees even and the Blue Jays, it's just it's a powerhouse. I, I yep. wish they would realign and get the Orioles out of this division so they could have a better chance to succeed long term. Put them mm-hmm. in the division of the Pirates or something. Like that would be horrible. <laughs> um put well, you know, put them in like the 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 NL West or something, honestly. It would be so much better. Well, they talked about at one point doing like a realignment where it's like by region. So like uh, you would drop the Rays 
And I think the Orioles would have like the Phillies, the Nationals, maybe a couple oh, of New give York me teams that. Or give me, please. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. believe in the Phillies ever. Um, by the way, I didn't mean to say NL West, NL East. NL okay. East uh, <laughs> would, would, be, would be preferable. In the, or, or the Pirates in the NL Central. That'd be great too. Um, yeah. Not sure how Baltimore would be Central, but hey. Uh, yeah. Realign the Pirates, put them in the East with the Orioles, um, and and get the uh, you know get the Mets out of there. They're a little too far north. But um, yeah, yeah I, I think you, you look at a possible division realignment. It would help out the Orioles, but you know, in obvious for obvious reasons, that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. And mm-hmm. the Orioles are stuck in a division that has four powerhouse teams. Is what it is. It's it sucks. It, it sucks. But Mike Elias is very aware of this. It's not any secret to him. And I think he's going to build the team to be able to to get around this. That's literally his job. I mean, his job is to to build a team that's competitive with the AL East. The Orioles have won the AL East many times in in their history. They can do it again. Yeah, they can. They they've shown that uh, as recent as 2014. Uh, so yeah. it's not impossible. Um, but like you said, I mean, you mentioned a, a bevy of prospects that the Orioles have. Yeah. A lot of these guys are going to be coming up in the next year or two. Um, so as we hope to see the big league roster and big league team improve, I mean, it's going to be on the backs of these guys. They might not be big players in the free agency in the next year or two, but come 2024, 2025, you could see that pairing yeah. with the prospects really well. I think I also want to mention too um, about Adley Rutschman. I think it's important. I, I was at uh, Fenway Park on Tuesday this week, uh, and I got to see Wander Franco play for the first time. Uh, he was there with the Rays, and Wander Franco has been struggling. He's not been mm-hmm. playing well. He's not the guy that anyone expected thus far. Yep. I think we have to temper our expectations with every prospect that comes up and you know enters themselves into this rebuild because the gap between the major leagues and the minors has never been bigger. Um, guys like Adley. Guys like Kyle Stowers, guys like Robert Newstrom, the guys right on the doorstep. Jemai Jones is another one. The guys that are right around the corner, you have to temper your expectations, really with any prospect, but especially the guys that are coming around right now because it takes time. You know, Wander Franco barely has a 600 OPS. It takes time for these guys. We saw Ryan Mountcastle this year. He was god-awful for the first month, month and a half of the season. I mean, he was striking out almost every at-bat. It t- it's an adjustment. It takes time. These guys aren't used to f- facing 98 mile per hour fastballs consistently exactly. and the and type of stuff that they're seeing. They're not used to it. So it does take some time. Precisely. I couldn't have said it better myself. But Matt, is there anything else you wanted to cover on this podcast? I think we got all through all, you know, all our topics at this point. Uh, but, you know, I, I just want to say that uh, I, I think as, as a fan base, we just got to keep the faith and, and uh, you know, trust the process and what's going down. Uh, you know, number one farm system ranking shows that this this rebuild's come a long way, and we're getting there. You know, we're getting there. This could be an exciting year in 2022. As Eric Arditi said on our uh, draft show, trust the prospects. Trust the prospects. I like that even better. That's a that's a great mm-hmm. song. trust the prospects. It's better than Rising Tide. Whoever at the Orioles came up with a yeah, rise, not tide, a fan of that at all. Doesn't make any <laughs> doesn't make any yeah. sense. But yeah. except for the Norfolk Tides, which not every player is going to go through the Norfolk Tides, which it, it just doesn't make mm-hmm. sense anyway. But yeah, trust the prospects. Great line to go by. Um, anything else before we get out of here, Matt? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Um, I think if the Orioles, just one thing, quick thing, if the Orioles do address something in the offseason, I would love to see them address the bullpen. Just get a couple of veteran arms, a couple of reliable guys just to throw in there that you have trusted in the seventh and eighth inning because it's been very frustrating the last week to watch the bullpen. Rotation two. Give me a rotation piece, one or two of them. Give me a bullpen piece. I don't even care about Leave the lineup alone. That's fine. Lineup will, you know, mm-hmm. Adley Rutschman will filter in. Kyle Stowers will filter in. Leave yeah. the lineup alone. Add to the, the pitching. 
all of it. Just give give the Orioles some reliable pitchers. I don't care if they're in a rebuild or not. Give them some reliable pitchers in 2022, and I think you'll see them win 75, 80 games. I really think that's possible. Wow. You, you, what, what, what they've shown after this, this all-star break is that when the pitching is good, the lineup can hold their own with any lineup in baseball, You know, mm-hmm. especially when Ryan Malcastle's in it. They're really missing him right now. But this lineup with Cedric Mullins, and Trey Mancini and, and Austin Hayes and you know Ramon Arias and Jorge Mateo. This this lineup can hold its own, and they mm-hmm. just gotta get some pitching. Bottom line, bottom line. Perfect. Couldn't have said it better. Um, yeah. So definitely follow us on Twitter at Foul Pod. Um, every audio channel for our podcast, and subscribe to us on YouTube. We actually gained uh, quite quite a good number of uh, subscribers during our draft show. Um, so we would certainly appreciate that. So uh, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week.